Hello everybody, and welcome to a crime podcast over John Wayne Gacy. John Gacy was one of the world's most evil and brutal killers. John killed at least 33 young men by tying a rope around his victim's neck and then tying them to a stick and slowly rotating the stick to cut off airways while raping them. John was born on March 17, 1942, being the middle child of three. According to Thought Co's Charles Montaldo, John had an abusive alcoholic father that he was constantly trying to impress but never could. Now, obviously, John had it rough from the beginning. He, he just wanted to impress his father, and he, he tried and tried, and he, he just got abused and neglected. Uh, John was actually molested himself by a, a friend of the family multiple times when he was younger. You kind of have to feel bad for John as a kid because it seemed like that he had it really rough and he was trying. Um, When Gacy was 11, he was diagnosed with a heart problem, which limited his physical activity and he was bullied for being overweight. Uh, At the age of 18, he eventually, he ran away. Um, He couldn't put up with his father anymore, but he didn't stay away for long. After just 90 days of being away, he had come back, and despite not even finishing high school, John tried to make opportunities for himself. Um, He went to Northwestern Business College and graduated in 1963. He then became the manager at Nunbush Shoe Company. John was a, he was involved in the community uh, he was involved in the JCs in Springfield, Illinois. Uh, he worked his way up the rankings in the JCs and had everyone convinced that he was a leader and he was all for the community. Uh, this brings me to a life lesson that you don't know anyone 100%. It doesn't matter how much you think you know them, what you think you know about them. You never know anyone 100%. Um, Gacy then married and went on to have two children. Uh, he moved to Waterloo, Iowa and joined the JCs there as well. The, J- the JCs is where John really opened up to his like, drug use and his sexual passion for male teens. Uh, Gacy turned his basement into a hangout for young male teens by luring them in with alcohol and pornography. In August 1967, he really started to act. He hired 15-year-old Donald Voorhees to do odd jobs around his house. Donald met Gacy through his father, who was also in the JCs. After finishing his work, Gacy lured the teen into his basement with the promise of free beer and four movies. After Gacy supplied him with abundance of alcohol to where he was really drunk and couldn't put up any resistance, uh, he forced him into having oral sex. This really set the stage for Gacy. He would use all sorts of tricks and lures to get teens into his basement. This went on for a year until Donald told his father about the incident with Gacy. Uh, there were other boys that confessed to police about Gacy's doings, and then Gacy was arrested for oral sodomy of the 15-year-old and attempted assault of another boy, charges he strongly denied. Gacy received a 10-year sentence but played all his cards right and only got two years. His wife divorced him in prison as well as his father had died in, while he was in prison. Uh, after he got out, he instantly went back to Chicago with his, moved in with his mom and became a cook. But it didn't help. 
Uh, he started luring teens into his basement and forced and forced them to engage in sexual activities against their will. Uh, he was charged with sexual assault, but word did not get back to his parole officer, and charges were dismissed because the teens skipped out on court. Uh, John's first kill was January 2nd of 1972, when Timothy McCoy was sleeping at a bus stop in Chicago. Gacy approached him and offered him a place to stay. McCoy took up the offer and stayed the night at Gacy's house. In the morning, Gacy says he saw McCoy standing at the door with a knife, and this scared him, so he took control of the knife and stabbed McCoy to death. Uh, Gacy found this to be the most intense sexual pleasure he'd ever felt. McCoy was the first of many to be buried underneath Gacy's house in a cross space. On July 1st, Gacy married his high school sweetheart, Carol Hoff. She and her two daughters from a previous marriage moved into Gacy's home. Within weeks of being married, Gacy was arrested and charged with sexual assault after a teen male accused him of impersonating a police officer to get him into his car, then forcing him to engage in oral sex. These charges were again dropped. In the meantime, Gacy added more bodies in the crawl space in his house, and a horrible smell began to fill the air, both inside and out. It got to be so bad that neighbors insisted that Gacy find a solution to get rid of the odor. While Gacy wasn't killing young men, he was a community man. He would participate in lots of community projects and would dress up as poet or clown at Children's Hospital for birthday parties. Again, brings me back to my point, my life lesson. You don't know anyone 100%. By day, he was a man everyone knew and trusted. And by night, he was a brutal serial killer. The thing that really opened up the case and led to his downfall was the disappearance of Robert Peast. Peast was a great kid, kept his grades up, and he was really involved in school activities. He was with his mom at a drugstore when he told her he'd be right back and he was going to meet a construction contractor about a job. Red flags instantly were raised when Robert didn't come back. His parents instantly called the police and they the police contacted Gacy, and he admitted being at the drugstore, but claimed he hadn't had any contact with Peace. On December 13, 1978, a warrant to search Gacy's Summerdale Avenue home was granted. While investigators searched his home and cars, he was at the police station, giving an oral and written statement about his activities at the pharmacy on the night Peace disappeared. When he learned that his house had been searched, he went into a fit of anger. The evidence collected at Gacy's house included a high school ring for the class of 1975 with the initials JAS, handcuffs, drugs, and drug paraphernalia, two driver's license that were not issued to Gacy, child pornography, police badges, guns, ammunition, a switchblade, piece of stained carpet, hair samples from Gacy's automobiles, store receipts several items of teen-style clothing and sizes that would not fit Gacy, according to Chicago Turbine's Corey Rumor. Investigators also went down into the crawl space, didn't, but didn't discover anything and quickly left due to the odor. Although search solidified suspicions that Gacy was likely an active pedophile, it did not turn up any evidence linking him to peace. However, he was still their prime suspect. They put full-time surveillance team on Gacy and he toyed with them by inviting them in for breakfast and buying their beers. The big break was when his 
when Peace's mom talked about a receipt left in the pockets of Peace's jacket the night he went missing. They had actually found that receipt in Gacy's home, and now they knew they were on him. He also knew they were on him. They got a second search warrant. Sure enough, they went down the crawl space, and on the first shovel, they found human remains. Knowing they were on him, he confessed to Robert's murder and hinted at maybe even 45 others. Only 25 of the 33 victims were identified, and DNA testing was ran through 2011 to 2016 in efforts to recover the last few. Gacy went on trial February 6, 1980, for the murder of 33 young men. His defense lawyers tried to plead insanity, but the jury of five women and seven men didn't agree. After only two hours of deliberation, the jury returned a verdict of guilty and Gacy was given the death penalty. According to the History Channel, Gacy spent 14 years on death row and painted paintings of clowns and other figures that sold for thousands of dollars. On May 10, 1994, having exhausted all his appeals, the 52-year-old Gacy, who the media dubbed the killer clown, was put to death by lethal injection at the Staleville Penitentiary in Juliet, Illinois.